Hello and welcome back to Nurse in Transition. I am your host, Kiana Brathwaite. Um, it has been a while since I last published an episode and I am not going to apologize for that. Right now, I am truly in transition. Um, I think one of the episodes earlier, I mentioned that we are losing our home and I am juggling the logistics of moving out of our home with all my other female responsibilities. And uh, it is for that reason, I'm actually segueing into uh, the topic for today's um, Nurse in Transition episode. A couple months ago, I came across an opinion article written by Bridget Schultz on, and I'm going to spell that because I may not be pronouncing it correctly, B-R-I-G-I-D, and her last name is S is in Sam, C-H-U-L-T-E. Um, and she published this on The Guardian uh, earlier this year, around July. The title is A Woman's Greatest Enemy, A Lack of Time to Herself. A few months ago, as I struggled to carve out time in my crowded days for writing, a colleague suggested I read a book about the daily rituals of great artists. But instead of offering me the inspiration I'd hoped for, what struck me most about these creative geniuses, mostly men, was not their schedules and daily routines, but those of the women in their lives. Their wives protected them from interruptions. Their housekeepers and maids brought them breakfast and coffee at odd hours. Their nannies kept their children out of their hair. Martha Freud not only laid out Sigmund's clothes every morning, she even put the toothpaste on his toothbrush. Marcel Proust's housekeeper, Celeste, not only brought him his daily coffee, croissants, newspapers, and mail on a silver tray, but was always on hand whenever he wanted to chat, sometimes for hours. Some women are mentioned only for what they put up with, like Karl Marx's wife, unnamed in a book who lived in squalor with the surviving three of their six children while he spent his days writing at the British Museum. Gustav Mahler married a promising young composer named Alma, then forbade her from composing, saying there could only be one in the family. Instead, she was expected to keep the house utterly silent for him. After his midday swim, he'd whistle for Alma to join him on long, silent walks while he composed in his head. She'd sit for hours on a branch or in the grass, not daring to disturb him. There's such a struggle going on in me, Alma wrote in her diary, and a miserable longing for someone who thinks of me, who helps me to find myself. I've sunk to the level of a housekeeper. The author goes on to talk about the males um, and how they were supported in their craft. Um, and though the timing right, of these uh, artists was 17th, 18th, 19th century. I've read that because that still applies, I think, to a lot of women today. Um, and this is not a male bashing episode. This is simply the truth of what it is. Uh, another book that I'm reading, Drop the Ball, it was actually shared with me by a cohort mate, uh, from a program that I've, I've been a part of and continue to be a part of as a business entrepreneur, business owner, entrepreneur. Um, I started reading that book along with seeing this article and it's building on a theme. And the theme is we need space. Um, we need space to um, learn 
or unlearn or relearn um, what it is to be successful as women and men. We need space to be able to say that we need space. And uh, for me, it actually wasn't until quite recently that I started to get that space. Um, we have two children. They are so close a year, 12 months and three weeks apart. I don't even, you know, I usually break that down for people. And for the beginning, I actually just had this conversation with my son. Um, when we first had children, had a house and, you know, um, I was that woman before we had the house and the kids who, you know, would try to make my husband's life easier because he was working and taking me to nursing school and supporting me and, you know, all that good stuff. And then once we had kids that stopped because all of my energy went into work and our children. And I remember one day there was, um, I'm reading the drop the ball and the author actually had a similar situation, just a little different where, you know, jealousy started to rise and, and, and it was planted, um, because of how exhausted she was from working and taking care of the child and picking up and doing groceries and all the things that we do outside of our quote unquote nine to five. And I remember having that pang of jealousy one night. Um, my husband used to, he worked two jobs and in between the jobs, he would come in and his thing was playing video games. And I never got that personal time when the kids were young because I would do what needed to be done for them, get them where they needed to go, get myself where I needed to go to earn a paycheck. And then by the time I got home, I was too exhausted to do anything I enjoyed. And I remember the other day wondering what the hell my hobbies are because I don't really have any. Um, they're starting to develop, but for a good 10 years of my life, I put self-care, my care, doing for me on hold. And it was a choice I made. It wasn't, oh, he told me. It was just, it was a choice I made. I grew up in a single parent household. Fortunately, I did have grandparents who um, were married and had been married. They were married probably about 41, 42 years when my grandmother passed. So they were together for a really long time. Um, so I got to see what married life looked like um, I was around that. And then I got to see what it was to be a single parent, whether you're male or female and having to do it all. And I made a choice when I was young to not be a single parent um, because I wanted to be there for my children to not have to do it all. And yet somehow um, for a good bit of their lives, I kind of was the end all be all. Not to say that my husband wasn't around, just that, you know, working two jobs how much around can you be? Um, and so I read that and I'm talking about the book to say that one of the issues, things that I've encountered with transition is really learning what I thought. Um, I was learning what the construct is that I built around my life and then deconstructing that. Um, in a way that is meaningful and helpful uh, for myself and then for my family. And one thing that I usually say is that now I'm learning how to pour from an overflowing cup, not a full cup, but an overflowing cup. Because when I first had children and we first got this house, I was pouring from an empty cup. I mean, it was, there was resentment and 
disdain for um, just some of the simplest things in life. And it was really hard. It was a lot of pride. Um, and when I was not able to have the house under look or meet my expectations, um, we didn't have family over. I refused to have family over because I wasn't getting help with the cooking and the cleaning and the house was a mess and it wasn't up to my standards. And when I finally let go of those standards, um, it was probably closer to the end of us having the house. But when I finally let go of those standards, it felt freeing. Um, and they, they were self-imposed standards. There was nothing that anybody said that they expected of me. There were some things that were insinuated, but you know, I could have shrugged it off and been like, I don't give a crap because you don't live here. But I didn't. I, um, I internalized a lot of things that I thought that I should have been doing. And it's funny reading that article. Um, I, one of the biggest issues that I had with my husband when our kids were younger was time. I did not have the time nor the space to take care of myself. And now um, my husband is one of my biggest proponents of reminding me of taking that time. So I'll share with you um, recently, my blood pressure has been all over the place. Uh, my diastolic, which is my lower number, was starting to incrementally increase. Um, it went from, you know, 70s to 80s to 90s. And there's this thing called the pulse pressure, which is the number between uh, when you subtract the bottom number from the top number, it's the difference. And that difference should be about at least 30 30 to 40 uh, points, you know, in difference. And I was, I had gotten down to about 17. And I remember at the time, um, you know, money had been running out. I had some savings to kind of keep my business up and running while I was doing the personal professional development and business development over this year. And um, that money started to dwindle. So of course I was getting stressed out. And we were still in this state of uh, purgatory for what was going to happen to the house. So just really weren't sure. (sighs) The kids schedule changed. So I went from being able to, quote unquote, be a stay at home mom, even though that's not really what I am, but a true facilitator for cyber school students to now having to commute again. And I had not commuted in about three years. So I was stressed out about that. Um, I was not doing my self-care activities. I need to go for walks at least three or four times a week. I was in meetings and uh, wasn't getting out and um, just not doing, you know, wasn't sleeping well. Just there were, it was like a culmination of things that were coming together all at once, the perfect storm. And so my blood pressure was going up and down and I was checking it. I finally got into a cardiologist and I'll I'll, I'll take this time to say I do another podcast called Resources in Healthcare, and that experience with that cardiologist probably will be one of those episodes. But this is more about my experiences transitioning and as a nurse trying to figure crap out. Um, so, you know, I'll, I'll share that with you guys at some point. You'll be able to access that. But went to the cardiologist and, of course, they prescribed, you know, they did a quote unquote thorough assessment. Um and prescribed medication. And it was funny because I've been off of blood pressure medicines for about the last three, three and a half years. There was never a question of what changed, 
right? Why do you need it now? And I don't know if there were assumptions being made because I'll be 40 next month. You know, um, I do have weight that I need to not necessarily lose, but I need to shift some things and tone up. Um, I will always be thick. It, it just is what it is. Even when I was thinner, I was still a thick young lady. Um, and I, I like my thickness. I don't want to be skinny. That's good for other people, but not me. And so, um, there was no question about what changed, you know, what's going on in your life or anything. Again, I will elaborate on that in the other podcast, but when the doctor walked out to go get the prescription, my husband said, you get like this when the money gets really tight and you know, you're worried about our stability. And when he said that it was an epiphany. I was like, you know, you're right. Every time my blood pressure has done some funky things, it's because I'm in this state of transition that I'm not, and I'm not doing what I need to do while I'm in this state of transition. And when I say what I need to do, I mean, take time off, take, give myself time, right? Like ponder and do things that I'm doing right now, which is the elimination diet and taking a mindfulness class to help me learn how to meditate and, and relate differently to stress. And when he said that, you know, I had, I had already read the article, had not encountered the book, drop the ball yet. Um, but when he said that literally, and I'm saying this to you as a nurse who believes in taking care of your health, making sure that you are healthy, but defining what that is for you. And I realized that the medication was not the answer for me, because I had been able to come off of the medication by doctor's recommendation, because I work very closely with my providers. And if I do not trust a recommendation by a provider, I will not go back. I do not stay in bad relationships. And that includes um, relationships with providers, relationships with acquaintances. I just don't stay in bad relationships anymore. And if I don't trust the provider and what they're saying or recommending for me, or I don't feel like my entire life is being taken into consideration when we're talking about putting me on medications, I will, I will hold off. I will hold off on taking them and either go see somebody else and get a second opinion, um, but also listen to my body. And once my husband brought that to light, I have not had issues with my blood pressure. I'm very aware now because I carry stress like a badge of freaking honor. Like it, you don't even, my hair doesn't fall out. I don't stress eat. I don't, I don't do any of the normal um, or the acceptable ways of um, outward showings of stress. That, that's not what I do. I, you know, do what I need to do, shuck it off and, and just keep it moving. And eventually my body tells me I'm stressed out and it manifests itself in a way where I can no longer ignore it or just chalk it off. And that was what it was. Um, so now, as I said, my husband's my biggest proponent. After we went to that doctor's appointment, he actually accompanied me to that doctor's appointment. I'm very grateful for that. He was like, all right, you haven't floated in like two months. You know, you need to float. <laughs> um, I started, you know, before the weather changed, I started taking my kids out to teach them the fundamentals of playing tennis because I used to love tennis. Um, I started thinking about what are some of the things that are hobbies for me. And while I, a hobby for me is reading a hobby for me 
is discovering new information and going down rabbit holes. And those are the things that I enjoy. And I would love to incorporate sewing and all that. And I am working on that. But I also recognize that I have a lot on my plate. And that's something that I want you to do as you listen to this is think about what you have on your plate, not necessarily to feel overwhelmed and, you know, not to go, oh, good God, that to do list. I really don't want to look at that stupid thing because I completely understand that. But to look at what do I have on my plate and what am I not doing for myself to help me relate to the things on my plate differently, right? What am I not doing for myself to give myself grace and space? Because uh, it's very important that we do that. And what am I, what do I need to do for myself to pour from an overflowing cup? Not a full cup because you still, what's in your cup is for you. What flows over is for everybody else. So if you are a giver, usually most nurses are, um, and caregivers are, and servants are, right? If you have a servant's heart, um, you are probably more than likely pouring from a half full to empty cup. And you need to start doing things for yourself to pour from an overflowing cup. So as I walk through transition, I think I'm doing it a little bit better than I did years ago because there's an awareness and a recognition that both myself and my husband and my children have. And I want to share this and I'm going to let you go. So I started a mindfulness class. I went to um, my integrated medicine doctor recommended that I go to class to learn how to meditate, which I thought was hilarious. And so I go to the orientation and it's downtown Philly and it's a Sunday and traffic still sucks. And I'm frustrated because I had to drive around 16 times to find a parking space and finally found one and was grateful, was like, okay, thank you. It's three blocks away, but I can walk. I appreciate this. So I found a parking space. Still had to pay for parking on Sunday though. Come on, Philly. And um, go to the orientation. We do like one or two practices and talk about what to expect and how to get ready. And I come out and I could, I swear to you, it was like freaking Snow White. I could hear the damn birds singing and it was just a change in awareness, right? So I get back and as I'm driving, I'm usually a little tense when I'm driving. Well, I used to have horrible road rage, but I don't anymore. Um, but I'm usually a little tense when I'm driving because people are getting on my nerves and not doing stuff that should be expected and everything is crazy, even on a Sunday. And I get back to, but this time I get in the car afterwards and I'm like, oh, all right, you did something crazy. I'm gonna let that go. Oh, okay. I'm just going to back off. And, you know, I found myself thinking different and relating different. Get back to the house where my kids are. And my daughter, who's very intuitive, was like, hey, how are you? If you can hear my cat in the background, he's ringing. Um, Hey, how are you? And I was like, I'm good. She was like, oh, well, where'd you go? And I was like, I went to a, you know, an orientation for a class. And she said, you know, you just, you seem so much calmer. You just seem very even. And I was like, hmm, I, I could feel it, but I didn't know that my aura, my energy had changed um, enough for my daughter to pick up. Now, again, my daughter is extremely intuitive, but for her to pick that up, she's usually the one that hugs me when I'm about to blow up and go all pit bull on people. Um, so for her to pick that up, said something to me and I really enjoy and look forward to the class. So that's how I'm finding ways to pour from an overflowing cup. And even when I find myself pouring from a half full cup, I'm still more aware of it being half full and then can do the things necessary to get it to a point where it's overflowing than I could last year. And, and five years ago and when I was, you know, in my 20s. So I'm thankful for that. I um, kind of went over a little bit. Hopefully it, it was helpful. Please feel free to sign up for my newsletter. 
at uh, www.resourceinhealthcare.com. Reach out to me with any questions, comments, whatever at Kiana, K-Y-A-N-A-B as in boy, bravo, um, at uh, KB Calls, Kilo, bravo, cat, alpha, lima, sam.com. And I look forward to joining you in your day the next time that you um, tune in. All right, take care. Have a wonderful rest of your day and an awesome rest of your week when you're listening to this. Bye.